0: We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and Weekly Bible Study for March 28, 2011. And we're going to continue our look at uh, the uh, King James Bible and the uh, this particular thing is the NIV. i probably mentioned this, I've mentioned this times before, but I'm just going to go into this a little more in depth because we just started talking about the NIV. Well, let's just really look at the NIV a little bit more. In
1: 1988,
0: Zondervan became a division of HarperCollins, one of the world's leading English language publishers. HarperCollins is part of News America Publishing Group, a division of News Corporation owned by Rupert Murdoch, who is one of the most wicked men on the planet. Um, so, in other words, HarperCollins, Zonerfan is a division of HarperCollins, okay, which is actually owned by... Um, it's part of News America Publishing Group, a division of News Corporation, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch. If you visit online at HarperCollins.com, you will find some very discouraging and evil books for sale that are published by this company. They are pro-homosexual titles, and amidst these evil books we find the following advertisement from, the very, from this very same publishing company. The foregoing is exerted from the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. All rights reserved. No part of this book may be used or reproduced without written permission from HarperCollins Publishers. The Satanic Bible. So they make that. They they also produce the NIV and the Satanic Bible. Notice the HarperCollins not only publishes homosexual books, they also publish the Satanic Bible. And then what else do we find offered from such a publisher of sleazy, godforsaken books in these last days? Let's read some more on their own website. They also publish the Holy Bible, the New International Version. This leading publisher of homosexual books and blatantly satanic books is also the publisher of the NIV. James three two says, "Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either of vine figs, so can no fountain yield both salt and fresh salt water and fresh." Zonerfan is a subsidy a subsidiary of HarperCollins, which is owned by News Corp, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch. He is one of the biggest producers of worldwide pornography on the planet. Rupert Murdoch is also a member of Rick Warren's Saddleback Church, and they're good buddies. And Rick Warren's done a wonderful job of rebuking him, you know, because Rupert Murdoch's really mended his ways. I've done a whole t- teaching on Rupert Murdoch, and uh, um, I ought to put that in here. I ought to put a link in here to that of Rupert Murdoch and uh, Rick Warren because they're good buddies and they're he's a member of their church. I mean, that church is so lukewarm and watered down and so has absolutely, I mean, obviously you go there and you get convicted about nothing that Rupert Murdoch could attend and still not get his feelings hurt. I mean, that's pretty bad when Rupert Murdoch can attend your church and you're not going to step on his toes. That is what a devil apostate Rick Warren is. Zonerfan holds the exclusive distribution rights to the NIV. This conglomerate also publishes the Good News for Modern Man and the Amplified version. I just paused it for a second so I could actually put that link in here for you. Uh, You'll find it on about page 7 or 8. And it's entitled Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, Saddleback's Most Infamous Member. And that's the teaching I've done on that. And there's also a lot of other stuff about Robert Schuller in that particular teaching. Next... Article is a um, titled a noted lesbian in the NIV translation. Confessed lesbian, a confessed lesbian helped translate the NIV Bible. I believe the original. I believe the one he referred to in 1978. Her name was Doctor Virginia Molenkot, and she was an English professor at William Patterson University of New Jersey at the time of this interview. She's the author of a host of books, New Age books mostly, and she had a strong influence on the translation. Of that particular uh, translation, of that particular translation, the NIV changed the term sodomy to a new term, temple prostitute. So we get we get the watering down of sodomy, which would imply, uh, particularly in, in in the Bible, homosexual sex. Okay, uh, to the new term, temple prostitute. Now, the term sodomy in today's vernacular. Done a whole teaching on biblical sexual prohibitions, and we get into the actual uh, uh, definition of sodomy, which actually is any unnatural sex, which would include oral. Okay, and I have a whole teaching I've done on that. You can access that, contendingfortruth.com, and uh, it's very very important study. Biblical sexual prohibitions, I believe, is the name. She certainly believed that this softening was a good thing. This this sodomy to temple prostitute, and she took credit in helping to accomplish that goal. There is no doubt that Dr. Molencot was well known for her far left liberalism and the facts of her lifestyle. Um, And she was a she's totally confessed lesbian. A little review of her books and personal background shows her direction. Her view of almost every great truth of scripture is left of center. Now again, why would a self-avowed feminist, feminazi, lesbian, want anything to do with an NI, translating the NIV? Well, because they've got an axe to grind, and because they're of their father the devil, and of his works they will do. And she wanted to do this. She wanted to corrupt the Word of God. And this was her big chance in order to do it. And that, granted, the NIV wasn't the Word of God from its inception. But, you know, she felt like, you know, I can do Satan's service here. Dr. Mullencott had long spoke of a deabsolutized Bible. I and mean, that's kind of a weird term, but it's what she referred to it as. It is very clear in the thinking of some of those that gave us the NIV translation that an absolute text was not their goal. In fact, this translation is not a translation, but a transliteration. I believe the proper term for this text is a paraphrase. When you study the changes and the deletions, you quickly see that it is, it is an apostate Bible that is leading the church away from truth. Look at the warning words of our Lord Jesus Christ to us. For I, I mean, again, this is the end of the Bible, this is how the Bible ends. Okay, This verse alone should scare a lot of people. I mean, this verse scares me, you know? I mean, this is like not something you want to mess around with, the word of God. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, For I testify unto every, every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, which is exactly what the, the NIV's taken away, six, 64, over 64,000 words. And then changed so many things. If you take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in his book. That's not something I would really want to mess around with. I don't know about you. Not something I want to mess around with. (laughs) You know, that's the fear of God right there. Uh, so anyway, that was the the little thing there, and they've got other additional booklets uh, on this particular subject. I, I give you the um, the link here, um, and there's other little books that you can you can look at there. Um, going further, this this really is an abomination. I had a listener send me this. It's called Whosoever, an online magazine for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered Christians. Whosoever. It's real. The first link you have here is for Rainbow Christians, where gay Christians meet rainbow Christians. And it shows two guys, kind of like, you know, they're laughing together. And two women, and one woman's kissing the other woman's cheek. A real hallmark moment there. A hallmark abomination. And then we have uh, the, the book, Bulletproof Faith which is one of the books they they advertise. They also talk about Jay um, Jay Baker, Jim Baker's son. I've done a whole study on that guy and how he's one of their biggest proponents. Um, He's got tattoos all over him and he just, you know, he, whatever. But anyway, they're promoting his new book. But this this other book they promote, uh, Bulletproof Faith, A Spiritual Survival Guide for Gay and Lesbian Christians. I mean, what a oxymoron, that is gay, the the two terms don't, cannot coexist. But see, they think it can. Okay, so again, we, we got the banner for, you know, the, where gay Christians meet rainbow Christians. And again, rainbow meaning the rainbow gay flag that you'll see on, sometimes gay people put it on their bumpers, and sometimes they actually have literal flags that they carry in gay parades and things of this nature. Um, and then you have the Bulletproof Faith book, Spiritual Survival Guide for Gay and Lesbian Christians. And then reading the excerpt from this, it says, "Endorse this Bulletproof Faith thing. Endorsed by such religious religious leaders as Archbishop Desmond Tutu, one of my favorites, and Bishop John Shelby Spong, and named one of the best spiritual books of 2008. Who by who? Satan. Anyway, whosoever founder." the whosoever website founder, Candace Chalou hodges first book, Bulletproof Faith, so evidently the lady that actually founded this website wrote the book, Bulletproof Faith, A Spiritual Guide for Gay and Lesbian Christians is making an impact on the lives of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered Christians. Boldness before God. And then it says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, 1 John 3.21. So, okay, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. So they isolate this one verse that is, my, my comment here is that this verse, if you look at the context of that chapter, is addressing Bible-believing, born-again Christians, and only applies if the Holy Spirit lives inside us to help govern and guide our actions, Okay, it doesn't apply to some lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered person who is unsaved and on their way to hell. It doesn't apply to them. They do not have the Holy Spirit as a moral compass living inside them to guide their conscience. What would apply to them is that the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it, according to Jeremiah 17, 9. And that he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool, according to Proverbs 28, 26. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. That's what would apply to them. But they fancy themselves to apply this verse to themselves. So, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm doing, basically. My heart's not condemning me. Well, no, because you're biblically, you're, I'm, I'm sorry, you're demon-possessed to the toenails in order to participate in that lifestyle I really believe that's just a given, okay? And sure, your heart's not going to condemn you. You know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that couldn't happen, and I'm not saying there's people that are not in this lifestyle that haven't been saved. I just had a listener the other day told me that they were like, uh, homosexual and uh, an, an occultist. And they got saved. Now I'm not, so, so what, the point I'm trying to make is that there's no pit that the Lord Jesus Christ can't get you out of. But there is a very low likelihood regarding this lifestyle that you will be saved from a statistical standpoint. Um, going further, then continuing with this excerpt from their website, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered people are often ashamed of who they are. We are told relentlessly that unless we, quote, change, or, quote, pray away the gay, I've never heard that one, quote, uh, we will be hated by God. However, once we start the journey to reconcile our spirituality with our sexuality, uh, what a sick term that is, reconciling our spirituality with our sexuality, we will arrive at a place where we understand in our heart of hearts, again, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it, That God has created us just as we are, again, the biggest lie from the pit of hell that I've heard yet. God has created us just as we are, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender children of the still-speaking God. When we finally understand, and trust me, I'm going to have a very long response to this from the Bible. I don't care what their opinion is. I don't care what my opinion is. All I care about is what does the word of God say about this lifestyle? What does God think about the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered lifestyle? The word of God is very clear. Uh, You can hate me for quoting the word of God, if you're part of that, but I'm going to make no apologies for what the word of God says. And your argument's not with me. It's with the God of the word. That's who your argument is with. You might hate my guts for quoting those Bible verses, and you might want to have one of uh, your perverted Bible versions that have taken all references to anything derogatory about gays because they've got to be politically correct. You might quote that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to quote the King James Bible, and I'm going to tell you what it says because I love you enough to tell you the truth and am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth according to Galatians 4:16. When we finally understand at a deep level that our hearts do not condemn us, we can have boldness before God, a boldness that lives in love and gratitude for the life that God has given us to live. Can you imagine, you know, you got two guys having, you know, sleeping with one another? And, and, and they're committing sodomy and they, and can you imagine them going before God and having boldness before God? I mean, that is so sick and perverted and twisted. But this is what this witch who has this website wants to instill in her followers. That we can live like the devil. We can do the thing in the Bible that is, is, there's two things in the Bible that always brings judgment on a nation. The, the most severe judgment from God. Child sacrifice. And homosexuality. Bisexuality. It's, you know, it's all in the same. Sodomy. Those are the two things, if you look in the Old Testament in particular, that bring God's most severest judgment. And yet, evidently, that's all been done away with, according to them. And we're going to look at some of those verses. We can have boldness before God, a boldness that lives in love and gratitude for the life that God has given us to live. Yeah. Is that why homosexuals have an average lifespan of about 52 years old? I mean, it is monstrously lower than the regular population. There's a Bible verse that talks about in Proverbs that the wicked should not live out half their days. And these types of things implying a much shortened lifespan for a wicked lifestyle. And it's a proven fact. Their lifestyle, their, their lifespan is way lower. In fact, I've done whole studies where we've quoted the statistics. The statistics alone on the gay and lesbian lifestyle are just... I mean, that by itself, if you were just going to look at this from a purely objective standpoint, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender groups have no leg to stand on whatsoever. But again, I don't have time to get into all those statistics today. I've done that in times past in detail and in depth. Despite the trials of this world, we know that we are created and loved by God. What does it look like when we, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, finally understand that our hearts do not condemn us? How do we live with boldness before God and our fellow human beings? Before, before I get into my response, I'm going to play you another clip here entitled, Gay Black Christians Find a Place at a Capitol Hill Church. This is a, just a heartwarming little clip from on YouTube that I'm going to be playing for you here.
1: Marcellus Gaines is black, young, gay, and Christian, and sometimes all those identities have made things difficult for him. I think the biggest thing was judgment. It was you know you're going to hell this is not the universe or God you know and uh, you're going to be you, you're cursing yourself. But Gaines found a place where he could be religious at the Inner Light Ministries Church. About seventy percent of the people here are gay. Yeah, church.
0: See, religion is going to take more people to hell than any other thing. That Satan has ever really created. And I'm not talking about true born again Bible believing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about religion in general. I mean look. The vast majority of the planet has some religion that they believe in. Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Catholics, pseudo-Christians. Taoists. Cult members. Most people on this planet are part of some false religion. So religion is no (laughs) <laughs> you know, they can go there and be religious. But see, man it, it, um, has this, it's like, it's like man thinks that this is going to placate God or something by being religious. And that's just totally not the case, because most religions are absolutely false. Still so today, that will not accept, you know, open the gate. Okay, should- now here's a guy, a, a black man in a priest collar with like a African robe over, so he's like, it's like, I don't know how many things he's shooting for here, but he's got a Roman Catholic clergy priest collar, he's got an African uh, type of um, garment over that, I don't know anything against that, it's just that he's got all these different, he's got these beads around, I don't know if they're Catholic, and um, he's, uh, he's gay at, at the same time.
1: Brainy Cheeks welcomes those who weren't accepted in other black churches. I think uh, uh, historically, unfortunately, in African American. Now
0: here's a woman who's obviously the co-pastor, who also has a black uh, a, a black Roman Catholic clerical garb on with like a overcoat over that. And I've done many studies on what the Bible says about female preachers, and there's no Bible for it. There is none. There's no Bible for female elders. There's no Bible for female deacons, or preachers, or these types of things. And I've done a whole study on what women can biblically do for the Lord. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If if you get mad at me from listening to that, you know, it's not my intention at all. I'm just saying, this is what the Bible says. Um, And it's very clear, and this is what it it's clearly mandates in states and the bible talks about wh- wh- whether it be an elder or a bishop or a deacon or these are these are other terms some of these other terms for essentially a pastor that they are to be the husband of one wife never says the wife of one husband okay the husband of one wife it says it over and over again in regard to deacons elders bishop uh, bishops, these types of things. So it's a foregone conclusion in the Bible that this is the case. It's just, it's not a popular thing to preach on because it's not politically correct.
1: The traditional church teaches that some of the scriptures that are quoted are, are quoted from the fundamental perspective.
0: Yeah, the, the fundamental, she's right, the fundamental perspective, which is fundamental to the faith of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And a fundamental perspective is what we should be. It's not something we should be ashamed of. Muslims aren't af- aren't ashamed. The, the fundamental Muslims that declare jihad or holy war on the infidels to ultimately destroy them, they're not ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed either because we stand for the true word of God. But th- she was uh, honest enough to admit that this is a fundamental perspective. She didn't really even, you know, she... She didn't really so much condemn it, she just acknowledged that this was the case and it is true. But it's like, okay, what other perspective is there? The liberal perspective? Well, this is my liberal opinionated perspective on what the word of God says when it clearly says something exactly the opposite. So what is your standard? Your standard becomes your opinion. Your standard becomes your heart.
1: That's why he founded this church 16 years ago. Cheeks is black, gay, and HIV positive. I told you a long time ago, I would climb a tree and worship God by myself before I go back into an oppressive situation. And Cheeks has made it his mission to talk about things that other pastors won't. 60% of the men in Washington, D.C. who have gotten HIV through sex are black. That's exactly why Bishop Cheeks thinks it's important to talk about it. The nation's capital has one of the highest AIDS rates in the country.
0: Uh, let me just make a point about that. Washington, D.C., is one of the most wicked spots on the planet. And yet, it's like this big cesspool. I mean, crime rate, you just heard the HIV thing, and yet, supposedly, it's, you know, the seat of where. You know our the the political process in our country takes place and I really believe it's because of all the devils and demons and fallen angels that emanate and operate through that city that you have a lot of, it's what it's doing is it's attracting wickedness it's curse the things that they're passing in legislations how the pro-abortion and these types of things the buildings there which we've got into in times past the how Freemasonry how the whole uh, Layout of the city is literally occultically created, and it's very easy to prove. All of that has been essentially um, an attraction for demons and devils and fallen angels and every foul spirit that you could imagine. That transfers to the people that live there to a certain extent. and this is why you have these unbelievably high crime rates and drug use and, and HIV rates in and, and, and the gay population there. I believe it's, it's a direct result of that.
1: City officials say it's worse than places in West Africa, and Cheeks isn't afraid to talk about it. You know, I, I don't expect to change the whole city, but what we work in the small groups, and what we do is empower each person. Cheeks's approach is unorthodox. He tries to foster an environment of inclusiveness since most here come from places where they felt left out. Because we've been wounded, so much. And we've listened to everybody else tell us what we can and cannot be. He teaches his congregation that God loves everyone regardless of their lifestyles.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at what the Word of God says, not my opinion, not his opinion. We're gonna look at what the Word of God clearly states about this lifestyle
1: study as the scripture tells us to do, to study to show ourselves approved, you find that they, we are all part of God's plan.
0: What Bible, what perversion is this woman reading? She actually has the audacity to quote First Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Of course, she only quoted the first part of that. And she acts as though she's doing that. Number one, this woman has no right to put on some black-robed uh, priest collar and be whatever co-pastor at this church, no biblical right to do any of that, and then has the audacity to say to, to act as though she studied the Word of God more than anyone, more than anyone else in in the regular church, and they've come to this conclusion. How deluded and demented! And perverse do you have to be to get to that level of darkness and depravity in your mind? I don't know. And
1: that God loves us just as we are. And he speaks openly and directly about the oppression from many of their pasts. I can't put the new thoughts I have in in the old church I came from, in the old condition I came from. Why do we keep going back into places of oppression that don't want to affirm your life? tackling
0: hatred with hope So unless they affirm the homosexual lifestyle that they they're in a they're going into an oppressive situation and that's no good. In other words, we can do whatever we want. We can live whatever way we want to live. Don't dare, don't you dare oppress us because God loves us any way we are. It's it's a lie.
1: Priya Shreeder, RT, Washington DC.
0: Okay, so that's the end of that particular clip. Now we're going to go into uh, what my response, actually what the Bible has to say. I'm going to leave my opinion out of this as much as possible. The Bible is very clear on this particular matter. Okay, so, according to Romans one twenty six and 27, regarding uh, homosexual men and, and um, lesbians, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. See, God, just like he's the one that's sending the strong delusion and... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. God is the one that gives them up to vile affections. Now, I don't quite understand this whole thing. And there's some verses in here that a lot of you may say, well, that doesn't seem fair. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to present to you what the Word of God says. This is God's business. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So, um, just bear that in mind. Okay, so for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. What are those vile affections? It's defined here. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Why? Because two women can't have a baby. And I don't mean by going to a sperm bank and getting a sperm donation, they can have a baby. I'm saying if that woman was only to be with that other woman, they could never, ever, ever have a baby, obviously. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. Okay, this is what God gave them up to regarding vile affections. God views this as that. Okay? Not come as you are and do whatever you want to do and God will accept you the way you are. Doesn't sound like God's real accepting of this to me here. So, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of air that was meat. That word meat means proper or fit. And then going to, to verse 32, Romans one thirty-two, it says, uh, regarding these people, who knowing the judgment of God, because deep down they know, they deep down they know what they're doing is wrong. Deep down they know there's a God. They may not want to admit it. They might try to deny it. They might try to get God out of the, out of the schools and and stop prayer in, in schools and they may try to get God out of the textbooks and they might try to get God out of society, but deep down, deep down, we know there's a God. We know there's a God that created all things. We can delude ourselves and deceive ourselves into thinking, oh no, it just happened by some Big Bang theory or whatever. The universe is orderly. And that universe could not have been spawned from chaos, like the Big Bang. And then we're some primordial rock where, where the rain runs down over millions of years and out of this slime spawns some two-cell amoeba that eventually, you know, climbs out of the primordial sea and forms some type of reptilian that ultimately, you know, forms into like Piltdown Man and Neanderthal Man and then whatever. Which ultimately forms us. Yeah, that that happened, right. It takes a lot more faith to believe that than what the Bible says about the seven days of creation. A lot more faith. So going further, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. So, here's how God feels, and this is New Testament, about the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender lifestyle that they which commit such things are worthy of death. It doesn't sound to me like God's too accepting of this. You know, why don't they, I mean, if this guy had a, I know a real good way this guy could clean out his church real quick, this gay pastor, just come there and quote some of these verses, the next uh, thing, you won't have any congregation. Knowing, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is why gay people are always trying to recruit. Not only do they want to have sex, particularly usually with younger people, but they also want them, they have pleasure in them that do the same. They want to corrupt other people, younger people in in many instances, and and it's, it's a proven fact that the pedophiles that are out there, a preponderance of them, a disproportionate preponderance of them are also gay. The ones that go after little boys, like the pedophile priests, and these types of guys. A disproportionate amount of gay men are also the pedophiles out there. Why? Because it's demonic. This problem is 100% demonic. It's a spiritual issue. It's not you're born that way. Yeah, you may have been born. uh, The sins of the forefathers are carried to the third and fourth generation of them that hate God. Yes, there is such a thing as generational uh, curses and these types of things. And it is a proven fact that most people that are gay or lesbian were molested by a same-sex partner at an early age. Particularly gay men. They which commit... This is demonic. It's demonic. Sodomy and defiling a little child like that at an early age, you're imparting, you're infesting them with demons. When you do that, it's well known in the occult, if you want to just demon-possess someone, to the toenails, you have sex with them at the earliest possible age. It's the ultimate doorway for demons and devils to come into a person. It's it's well known in the occult that 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 is what happens. People in the occult do those very things in order to take on more demons. They're not trying to get rid of demons, they're trying to get more demons, so they'll they'll have more power, but all they do is bring more bondage on themselves. Going further, Jude 1.6 says, the angels which kept not their first estate, this is regarding Genesis 6, but left their own habitation, hath reserved in everlasting change, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. That's when the angels were kept not there. That's when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wise off that they chose. And in those days, there were giants in Nephilim. The women bore them these hybrid, fallen angelic, human Nephilim giants that so defiled the earth that God had to destroy it with a flood. Save eight people Noah and his family. This is what Jude 1 6 is talking about. The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation hath he reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. So does it sound like God, does it sound here like God was happy with those fallen angels that fell in Genesis 6 and had sex with women? Doesn't sound like he's happy with them. Why? He's reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Sounds like that's about as severe of a judgment as you could have. Okay. Now, what is the next verse? The next verse is a likewise comparison to verse 6 in Jude, where it talks about the angels who kept not their first estate. Let's see what it says. Next verse. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, well, we know what that's about, right? All the homo, homosexuals, and they were trying to have sex, they, they wanted to have sex with, you know, the angels that, that appeared under Lot that he took into his house. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities around about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sounds like all those gay people in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them are all in hell burning for eternity. It says it right here, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, where the worm dieth not and the fire ce- ceaseth not in hell. Oh, that's not politically correct. I really don't care. It's what the Bible says. That's what God's judgment. Now, notice the comparison. The angels who kept not their first estate, what did they do? They went after strange flesh. See, the angels were never supposed to procreate with women. They were capable of it, but they weren't supposed to do it. So, so supposed to do it. Well, it's just the same in verse 7 Sodom and Gomorrah. Giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, they were doing something. Men burning after men, they were doing something they never, ever should have done. What was the what was the punishment? Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, is can we derive from these new these these two New Testament portions of Scripture in Romans and in Jude that this is an endorsement of God for homosexual? In bisexual and all these other types of, of, of sex? Is this, a, is this his rubber stamp of approval? As this pastor would say? As this website, whosoever, would say? It doesn't sound like it to me. We could stop at these two verses, but I'm going to keep going. Leviticus also condemns this behavior in two different places and imposes a death penalty for it under Old Testament Levitical law. said they were supposed to be killed. Anyone, men men with men, women with women. It was a death penalty. And they were supposed to be purged out of the land, that the land be not defiled. Because when this takes place, the land is defiled. Why was it, you think, that Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them all had this homosexual sex thing going on? Why? Because when they started it, and it grew like a fire, like a demonic fire. It defiled the whole city. This is why in areas where you have gay, uh, homosexual stuff going on, it begets more gay homosexual stuff, and it grows. In cities, do you ever notice, like, when you go to a city and there's like a real seedy area, and you know there's pornography places, and there's whatever s- stores and, and sex stores and stuff like that, and, and there's there's all kind of um, wicked um, bars, and possibly gay. Uh, gay bars. Usually, there's an abortion clinic thrown in there somewhere. Why? Why are all those places kind of near one another? Because sin begets sin, and once you start bringing in these types of of um, establishments, what goes on in those places? Sin. This sin, particularly homosexual. Uh, gay and lesbian, transgender, this type of behavior defiles the land. The Bible is very clear. It literally defiles the land. Just like abortion clinics totally defile the, the land with the blood of the innocents. And that blood cries out. The land becomes defiled. It attracts more evil behavior to it. This is a spiritual thing we're talking about. But it's real. Proverbs 16, 14, 16, 4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Well, that doesn't sound fair. That's the Lord's business. As I said, his ways are not our ways. I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. And like I said, I have had people email me on more than one occasion saying that they were homosexual, or they were a lesbian, and God saved them. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just saying for the most part. Daniel 12.10, which is in regard to the end times, many shall be purified and made white and tried, and this is in reference to us, the saints, the remnant of God, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Do you think those people in that gay church understand, would probably comprehend what I'm saying? They would have no, not only are they spiritually blinded by devils and demons, but they have no, they have no desire to understand. Most likely, I very few would have any desire for the real truth. Pro, uh, Psalm 58.3. The wicked are estranged from the womb; they go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. It appears that some people are actually born wicked, because it says they go, they are estranged from the womb. I'm going to give you some more verses to confirm this. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not getting into some like saying like I'm a Calvinist or something like that. I'm saying that that. There are certain tenets in the Bible that we can look at that, that are very clear about certain subjects. Okay? And I don't understand um, fully all of these verses, I, but I accept them as truth because they're the word of God. And then it says in the next verse, uh, after the wicked are strange from the womb, it says, Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stop at the ear. And then Psalm 34, 21 says, Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. Psalm 97, 10, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Well, according to these black pastors, we we can be as... Uh, no, I, I don't want to turn it into a race thing. This black gay pastor. could have been a white gay pastor. It wouldn't have mattered. Okay, I'm not prejudiced at all. I'm just saying he happened to be black in this particular instance. Anyway... The Bible says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. Well, according to that pastor, oh, that fall, I don't know want to call him a pastor, I don't know what you'd call him, that reprobate behind the pulpit, God loves us any way we are, we can just do whatever we want to do and act whatever way we want to act, and we have nobody has any right to judge us. That's not what the Word of God says. The only time you're not supposed to judge is if you're a hypocrite, and you have a beam in your own eye, and you're judging the speck in your others. Jesus Christ said, judge righteous judgment. God loves judgment and truth. And you can read that many, many times, particularly in the Old Testament. Righteous judgment is what God loves. Not hypocritical. He who is spiritual judgeth all things. That's what the Bible says in the New Testament. Going further, Malachi 1.1 through 1.3 says, the burden of the word of the Lord To Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. This is God talking. And I hated Esau. And laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. For basically a bowl of soup. That's, I mean, (laughs) that's the quintessential essence of, I believe, why God hated Esau. Because he's so, he didn't value his birthright. He didn't value what the Lord had put him in a position to have. He, He could care less. I hated Esau. Well, God loves everybody. No, not according to what the Word of God says. I'm sorry. It doesn't say that. Romans 9.13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, if he hated Esau, is he the only guy on the planet that God's ever hated? No, I don't think so. It's just an example. Romans, and then the next verse, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? In other words, is it is it unfair that God loves Jacob and hated Esau? What, well, then what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is this an unrighteous thing? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. That's God's doing. But see, these verses would infuriate a gay person. Homosexual, lesbian, gay, bi whatever you want to call yourself. These verses would absolutely... Make their blood boil. Because they could say, see, this is this, you know, call God all these names and say, you know, I don't want to have anything. fine. Your heart has been hardened. You are showing yourself to be who you really are. And that's a hater of God. You hate the word of God. You hate God. And it's very evident. Their tongues will betray them. So he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then is it not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. This is why I think it's important to pray for mercy. And to humble ourselves before God. And to praise him and worship him and bless his holy name. Okay, To consider the pit from whence we are dug. To go to God as a little child. Humility before God. To pray for the fear of God, which is always connected with blessings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Those are the ones that, to this man will I look, of him who is of, of a you know humble humble heart and a meek spirit. That's, that's where God looks, to those types of people that will humble themselves before God, that, that know that, you know what, I don't have this, I don't have anything figured out. I'm nothing apart from you, Lord. I could do nothing apart from you, Lord. I'm only going to hell apart from you, Lord. That's humility. That's what, that's about the, one of the only things in the Bible that I think really pleases God, that, that we could do for God to please him. Actions based on humility. I mean, humility is such a foundational principle, I think, for a lot of this And fear of God. Anyway, let's go further. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up. See, he was the one that raised Pharaoh up. Pharaoh didn't do that in and of himself. No person's even in leadership today that God didn't permit to be there. Why? That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. You know, all the plagues he sent to Pharaoh, and how that, you know, how ultimately he was totally humbled. Leader of the modern day world, you know, totally, totally, in the end, humbled. You know, why? That God's name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will hardeneth. Some people he hardens. Their conscience are seared with a hot iron. And I'm sorry, but the, I would say that, that somebody like a gay person, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, from, from the things I see coming, these, these people, for the most part, are hardened. Blinded. Going further, Romans nine nineteen, will thou, thou will say it, thou will say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? In other words, we could sit here and say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't serve no God like. Well, I'm not going to serve a God like that. I, I, I question everything that you just read. Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? His ways are not our ways. Remember, they're higher than our ways. Even though we may think that, that this or that, or a gay person in particular, if they were hearing this, they may think this or that. I'm sorry. This is what the Word of God says. Who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why? Yeah, because he, he made everybody. All things were made by him, referring to Jesus Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. And that includes the universe. So am I going to say to the thing that formed me, why did you form me this way? Shall the thing form, saying to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, and another unto dishonor? Again, I'm not, I, I can't say I fully comprehend this, but I believe it. Romans 9.22 What if God, willing to show his wrath, this is a very important portion of this scripture, what if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. These are vessels of wrath that he's made that are fitted, and that word means to prepared for destruction. Well, that's not fair. I'm, I'm turning this off. Well, I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Next verse, and then he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. See, as a born again Bible believing Christian, you are literally a vessel of mercy. That is something that you should realize every day. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for his mercy. For saving my soul, for giving me air to breathe, food to drink water, or food to eat, water to drink, a roof over my head, and some of you might not have that. You know, there's a lot of Christians that don't even have a lot of those things. But nevertheless, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for his mercy to save a wretch of a man, like in my personal instance, to save a wretch of a man like me. <clears throat> that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessels of mercy, which he have prepared unto glory. See, he have, a, he have afore, he prepared them ahead of time. The Bible says, I believe, to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, um, I called thee and ordained thee a prophet. No, I knew thee. I'm sorry. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before he formed them, <laughs> he did that. So, you know, I don't know how that whole process works. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I don't remember that part of of before I was formed in the womb. I don't think any of us else do. But there is some dynamic that takes place. And it says, a four time they were prepared unto glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Psalm 9.5 says, Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Does it sound like God loves the wicked? He's rebuked them, he has destroyed them, and he has put out their name forever and ever. Psalm 9.17, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. And that's why I tremble over what America's fate is. Anyway, that is um, those verses. Let's go further. Next article: U.S. Jesuits agree to 1.66 one hundred and sixty-six million in an abuse payout. The Jesuits. And we're just talking about the Jesuits, how they had to do with the you know corruption, the Dewey Reams. Bible, how they were trying to, you know, pass that off as, you know, the next King James, and how the Jesuits are just, I mean, I could do a, probably a ten-part study on them. They're the most wicked faction, most uh, probably, of the Catholic Church that there is. But you deceive, lying, deceiving, backstabbing, assassin devils, these guys. And isn't it funny that that Jesuit was on the, the new, um, the uh, NIV, this new NIV Uh, Translation Committee. I'm sure he's there for, you know, to do his father Satan's bidding to make sure it's corrupted as possible. A U.S., this is just from March 25th, a U.S. Jesuit order has agreed to pay 1.66.1, no, 166.1 million to compensate nearly 500 victims of a decade-long horrific sexual and psychological abuse by priests in five U.S. states, these wonderful, wonderful Catholic priests—you know, uh, doing what they, you know, doing what they do. I mean, this is the fruit of the Catholic Church. This is the fruit of this forced celibacy. I think even if they didn't have the forced celibacy, there would still be this problem. Maybe not to the extent that it is, because why? Because the Catholic Church is just a, one of the greatest uh, haunts, one of the greatest places for devils and demons and religious spirits that kind of hang out and do their thing. To corrupt people, to give them the sanctimonious, pious, holier-than-thou you know, view of, of, of religion. They do it through these priests. And these priests are just black-robed devils for the most part. The US North, Northwest chapter of the Roman based Society of Jesus the Jesuits agreed to pay out agreed to the payout which lawyers said is the biggest by religious organization in the United States as part of a bankruptcy proceedings most of those abused by priests from the Oregon province uh under the Jesuit order which covers the states of Oregon, Washington, Alaska, Idaho and Montana were native Americans at mission schools on Indian reservations I mean, you talk about no fear of God. Pedophile priests molesting little children. I just can't even comprehend it. Uh, but that's what they do. And I mean, how many instances of this do we have to see? This, this whole wicked devil organization should just be, you know, totally shut down. I mean, they, they shouldn't even be allowed to exist. This settlement recognizes that the Jesuits betrayed the trust of hundreds of young children in their care and inflicted terrible atrocities on them. Oh, kind of like during the Inquisition when they killed, you know, conservatively fifty million people through the most brutal torture you could possibly imagine. A high percentage of them being really true born again Bible believing Christians. Yeah, they just they just keep doing it. They just do, you know. They have different ways that they that they uh, inflict their their evil, essentially. These religious figures should have been responsible for protecting children, but instead raped and molested them, he added. Catherine Mendez, now 53 years old, had told how she was abused by Father John Morse, a Jesuit priest, when she entered the St. Mary's Mission Boarding School in Omark, Washington State, at age 11. I really believe when you become a Catholic priest that these pedophilic types of spirits, maybe not everyone, but they enter into a very large percentage of these priests. Um, of whom a man has overcome the same he has brought into bondage. When you enter a Catholic whatever, college or wherever they, seminary, to be a priest, you are openly inviting devils and demons to come and infest you. Why? Because the foundation of that sick, twisted religion is totally... Demonic, and when you openly go and, and, and you and you uh, become one of them, you're openly giving these devils and demons permission to come and inhabit your body. And obviously, they have a uh, huge uh, problem with pedophilia and the demons and devils associated with that. So, going further, <clears throat> uh, this father, John Morse, a Jesuit priest, uh, she was abused by him when she entered St. Mary's Mission School in Omark Washington State, age 11. Father Morse started abusing me almost immediately when I arrived at St. Mary's Mission. A lawyer's statement quoted her as saying, I kept the sexual molestation hidden in the dark in my soul for years and years and years, which is a very common theme. Finally, when I came forward and saw that others did it too, it was a is a, it was if a blanket that had hidden our secret was pulled off, and we could move into the light again. Uh, Thirty-eight of the claims involve sexual abuse by Morse, who now lives in a retirement home financed by the Jesuits. This man has forfeited his right to live, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying anybody go on, you know, go after this guy. I'm just saying that's my personal opinion. What did Jesus Christ say? Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones that believeth on me, and I mean, this is, you know, this is beyond offending someone. This is, this is, this is the worst thing, saving, slaughtering them that you could possibly do to a child. Sexually molest them. That it were better, Jesus Christ said, it were better if a millstone were hung about their neck and they be cast into the midst of the sea then they offend one of these little ones that believeth on me. So and here we here we have the pseudo Christian veneer of the Catholic Church, which says, Well, we're Christian, and we're and we're actually the mother church, and we're what we're what true Christianity really represents. So they hide behind Jesus Christ, this sick death cult, and on his coattails, and and call themselves Christians. And in reality, this is what they're really all about, if the truth be known. This type of behavior. Well, does that sound like a death penalty Jesus would have imposed? A Millstone hung about their neck and they'd be cast in the midst of the sea. That sounds like a death penalty to me. Well, that's why I say that. They forfeited the right to live. They're gonna, I, I really believe at some point God's going to start raining down his fury on this wickedness. I don't know when it's going to come. I just think at some point that we're going to start seeing that in almost a supernatural way. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider his doing and that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him and all the upright in heart would glory according to Psalm 64. Yeah, I think that's why. Great fear might fall upon the camp as it did in Acts when Ananias and Sapphira were were slaughtered or killed. And many were converted and many were added to the Christians. Well, They bore good fruit. God, See, God's judgment bears good fruit every time. It's when we don't have God's judgment that things get out of control, like this. I'm not questioning God, I'm just saying, when we don't have God's judgment to keep things in check, this kind of garbage starts to just take over society. Wicked men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So this devil now lives in a retirement home, financed by the Jesuits. It's, uh, you know, you, you've done a good job, I guess the Jesuits, a pat on the back, and for all your years of, of hard service and raping and molesting little boys and girls, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to put you in a retirement home now. There's no retirement home in hell would be what I would like to remind this devil of. There's no rest in hell. There's no way to get away from the flames, or the worm that dieth not, or the thirst, or the hunger, and all the other emotions that you experience in hell, or the darkness. That's what I would like to remind this devil of. Anybody that would do that to a little child. Sick devils. I I just... Uh, I don't think there's anything that gets me more upset than this. Be angry and sin not. It's very hard to do. (laughs) It really is. 49 of the victims represented by Tamaki were sexually abused when they were 8 or younger. So this guy really, really tried to get to him young. Oh man! <laughs> oh, I, I just I can't even. And that the, and that society and in the, the Catholic Devil Church has shielded this behavior. I mean, granted, yeah, they expose it some, but I mean. If there was any other organization that was doing this in mass on a scale at this level on planet Earth, don't you think there would be a gigantic... Most of the time, you know, you would see that shut down in some way, shape, or form. But it's not. It's allowed to continue. The settlement also asked the Jesuits to provide a written apology to the victims, like that means anything, and share documents of importance to the victims, such as their personal medical records, he said. The abuse took place from the 1940s and continued through the 1990s. Still continuing. It hasn't changed. Oh, I mean, you know what they do? These these pedophile priests. They just basically once once they're caught one place, they just move them to another. They just move them to another uh, Catholic church, where they can start the same pattern over and over again. It's by design. The Catholic religion wants this. They want their priests to defile these little ones. They just don't want them to get caught. I believe it, one hundred percent. I believe that deep down, that's what they. What well, do you think the Catholic's agenda is to take people to heaven? It's take, to take people to hell. And what more vile thing could you do to serve Satan than, than, than molest a little child? I can't think of much. Sacrifice them. I'm sure, I know that goes on at the highest levels in the Catholic Church as well. These people are nothing, at at the highest levels, they're nothing more than Luciferians and Satanists. Closet. Freemasons and the whole nine yards. High level secret society. Just like I said about all the the denominations in the world. Whether they be pseudo-Christian, whether they be Hindu, Buddhist, it don't matter. Going further, the abuse took place in the 1940s, the 1990s. Of the nearly 500 claims, nearly 200 were Alaskan claims brought by John Manley of California Law and Firm. Uh, Tamaki, whose firm represents nearly a third of the non-Alaskan clients, said he hoped the settlement would bring closure. How could that possibly bring closure money? The only, I mean... I just pray the Lord Jesus Christ would, I I pray to God all their souls be saved, these poor people that were molested. And that the Lord Jesus Christ would would drive out these devils and demons that were literally implanted into these poor children when they got molested by these pedophile, devil, black robe priests from the pit of hell. Only Jesus Christ can do that. There's no amount of psychotropic meds Pharmakia sorcery, like that's going to help anything. Or counseling or whatever that's going to take and drive away those demons. I I pray to God their soul be saved. I I pray to God. I mean, it's so sad. Although the abuse they suffered was horrific, my clients are hopeful that the Jesuits' acknowledgement of wrongdoing changes will be made so that this type of abuse can be prevented in the future. Give me a break. Come on. Give me a break. In other words, the church needs to correct flaws that have allowed this to happen. Oh, they're just some minor flaws we just need to work through. Just some bumps in the road, right? Priests molesting children in mass. It's just one of the many abominations you can get into with the Catholic Church. And I've done more studies on them than I can even recall. In fact, this study I'm going to give you the link for. In fact, I posted most of my studies with this PDF. I gave you the links to almost all of them. This one is entitled Catholic Priest Pedophiles. In this teaching, we will expose the rampant homosexuality and pedophilia among the Catholic hierarchy. More than 13,000 molestation claims have been filed against the clergy since 1950, and that was, I'm sure it's a lot more now. Bishops say abuse-related costs have been about $2 billion dollars. The nation's largest Catholic archdiocese will I mean, if you have a pedophile today, you know, they get, like, labeled, they've got all those things you can search for them on, on local neighborhood maps, they can't live within, like, so many feet of a, of a school, and they're, I mean, you, you talk about a haven for pedophiles, and yet they just buy people off. It seems like. And they just move people around. And they, and they do this and they do that. And they just get away with it. Nowhere else in society is this tolerated. But in the Catholic Church it is. It, it's, you know, pretty much. The nation's largest Catholic archdiocese will settle its clergy sex abuse claims for it. At least $600 million, by far the largest payout in the church sex abuse scandal. We will then explore, this is my teaching I'm doing, i give you the link to it. We will explore a new award-winning documentary regarding the subject called Deliver Us From Evil that has been highly recommended by many Christians. We will, And that's a story about some of these Catholic pedophile priests and the people that were abused by them. It's a very much first-hand account of that. We will then look at the actual estimates from many Catholic sources of the staggering number of Catholic clergy that are actually homosexuals. We will take an in-depth look at the spiritual dynamics that set the stage for many Catholic priests to become homosexuals and pedophiles in the shady, dubious history of Pope John Paul II. Let's look at that subject a little bit more. How many priests and bishops are actually homosexual? This This is from Catholic Apologetics International. This is an organization set up To, I mean, like, defend Catholicism. This is the Catholic's organization. So you can't accuse me of being biased with this information. I'll give you a link to this article. Richard Seip, a psychotherapist and former priest, has studied celibacy and sexuality in the priesthood for four decades. He has authored... Three books on the topic. He once estimated that 30% of the priesthood is homosexuality, homosexually oriented. 30%. Elsewhere, he is quoted as estimating that between 25 and 45% of American priests are homosexual in orientation. He told the Boston Globe, if we were to eliminate all those who were homosexually oriented, the number would be so staggering that it would be like an atomic bomb in the Catholic Church. It would... It would do the same damage to the church's operation. It would mean the resignation of at least a third of the bishops in the world. Now, the bishops are higher than the priests. Well, if the head is corrupt, the whole body's going to be sick, right? Well, it's corrupt right up from starting with the Pope right on down. Well, who's above the Pope? Satan? Fallen angels? it would mean a resignation of at least a third of the bishops of the world. What an abomination. And it's very much against the tradition of the church. Many saints had, and it's very much against the tradition of the church, but many saints had a gay orientation and many popes had gay orientations. Discrimination against orientation is not going to solve the problem, he says. Um, and then on a excerpt from Robert Sonegis, he said during a press conference in Rome, during a press conference in Rome on April 24, 2002, the president of the US Conference of Catholic Bishops. Again, another Catholic source. The president of the US Conference of Catholic Bishops, Bishop Wilton Gregory was interviewed regarding the homosexual problem in the Catholic Church. In his own words, he said, quote, "It is an ongoing struggle to make sure that the Catholic priesthood is not dominated by homosexual men." That's from Newsweek. May 6, 2002, page 23. You can read it. Not surprisingly, the statistics reported by Newsweek bear out the illusion to be dominated since, and this is from Newsweek now, Between they're saying since between 35 and 50% of Roman Catholic priests are homosexual. What is also disheartening, and this, this really is sickening, this is how demonically blinded and apathetic and pathetic the Catholic faithful are. Because it's like they could do anything in the world. I mean, wouldn't you think if you were in this church and you saw all this rampant pedophilia, that one issue alone, not to mention all the other biblical garbage that goes on in there, wouldn't you think there'd be a mass, mass exodus from this wicked, disgusting, perverted, perverse Religious system? You would think. But no, no, no. No. It doesn't affect them. Why would I say that? What is also disheartening are some of the attitudes of individual Catholics. Newsweek reports that fully half, 51% of Catholics, say they would attend a church with an openly gay priest. 51%. 44% are in favor of gay marriages. Thirty-nine percent would accept a gay priest in a committed relationship. Ah, oh, sickening. And fifty-six percent are in favor of allowing gays and lesbians to adopt children. You think those same pedophilic homosexual spirits that are that are operating through these bishops, through the popes, through the priests might be affecting their um the laity, the, the the people that are in the churches. I mean, if the head is sick, the whole body is going to get sick, right? Of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. You go into a Catholic church, you sit under one of those devil, pedophile priests, or even even a priest that's not. It's still a demonic thing. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. You sit in a Catholic church. Particularly if you were brought up in one. I know there's demonic generational baggage going on there. And those devils and demons that operate through the Catholic Church, gets their, they get their hooks into you more and more and more the longer you stay in it, typically. And you just become blinded. Of whom a man has overcome, the same he is brought in bondage. They're in total bondage. And they're some of the hardest people there are in the world to reach. Some of the hardest My grandma is in a retirement home. My only living grandma is in a retirement home right now. And I have tried to send her stuff about Catholicism. I mean, stuff that is presented in a gentle way. You know? Oh, man. When I did that, she went through the roof. And this is a lady, I don't ever remember her ever even getting mad at me. I used to go up to Ohio every summer as, as a child and, and spend like, I don't know, anywhere from a month to six weeks up there. And, um, you know, they were Catholic. My mom was brought up Catholic, but she became a jaded Catholic and, you know, she never... But these, even the jaded Catholics, they have this, the spirits are still there. Because there's certain things that you would say to a jaded Catholic and they'll get offended. They can be against the church, but they're still, they'll are still they still get offended about certain things. Those spirits are still there. They haven't went anywhere. And I've tried to witness to her in this particular regard, and, and she just, you know, basically last time she got almost violent. And she's in a retirement home. Now, I don't know how much longer she has left to live, but what I did is I, I got convicted. I sent her an MP3 player with the testimony about my dad, and my mom and then my teaching on salvation and sent that to her so and with a letter explaining you know not in great detail but the, you know these are the testimonies regarding I thought she might be interested I, I just pray that that she listened to it um, because I don't know how much longer she's gonna be around uh, but they're very 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 hard and she's not even in the Catholic Church anymore she came out of it. But she was in it a long, long time. And those devils and demons, just because you leave the church, they don't go anywhere. They don't go anywhere. Maybe they're not gonna get it strengthened as much by her not going there, but they just don't leave her just because she left the church. So anyway, uh going further, Mark Jordan, a professor of religion at Emory University, and a gay in a gay Catholic, oh even better. <laughs> Uh, i mean you know at least he's honest if there were no homosexuals in the priesthood we would soon cease to have a functioning church praise the lord jesus christ that would be so wonderful i would praise god if we would cease to have a, we would we would cease to have a functioning church if there were no homosexuals in the priesthood as though that's justification why we can't do away, or or root out homosexuality in the Catholic Church. He's almost acting as though, you know, that would destroy the Church. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And think about this, what his statement just was. If there were no homosexuals in the priesthood, we would soon cease to have a functioning Church. What does that say? My comment is, what a perverse foundation you would have to have if you took away all the homosexuals and it would destroy the whole organization. You talk about a corrupted foundation to make a statement like that. It's incomprehensible. Actual surveys um, uh, of this in the fall of 1999, listen to this. The Kansas Star, the Kansas City Star, sent a questionnaire to 3,000 priests in the U.S. Guess what? 73% did not reply The low response rate could be anticipated. One would expect homosexuals and bisexuals to be reluctant to respond to the questionnaire since it deals with such a sensitive issue and originated from a newspaper. They're not going to. 73%. Who knows? Maybe that's the actual percentage that are actually homosexuals and/or pedophiles. You know that there's no way you're going to get an accurate head count on that. (laughs) I mean, you think they're going to openly... Even if it's anonymous, you're not going to get an accurate head count regarding this matter. 73% did not reply. Wow, that's, that's... I tell you what, that speaks volumes. Doesn't surprise me a bit. Next article. Vatican says priests have been raping nuns to avoid hookers with HIV. No, this isn't in the the front page of the National Enquirer, although it might be. No, this is straight from them. This is straight from the Catholic Church. These are Catholic sources that we're citing here, as you've noted, hopefully noted, for the most part. Let us take a moment to recall Pope Benedict's view on what caused the Holocaust. As we reflect on the sobering lessons of the atheist extremism of the 20th century, let us never forget how... The exclusion of God, religion, and virtue from public life leads ultimately to a truncated vision of man and of society, and thus to a reductive vision of the person and his destiny. Are you kidding me? Oof. You know these—they they speak with these great swelling words of vanity, as Jesus Christ talked about. But they themselves are servants of corruption. They're whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. Meaning they're like a tomb that looks nice on the outside, but it's full of dead man's bones. Now that was a quote from Pope Benedict. As we reflect on the sobering lessons of the atheist extremism of the 20th century, meaning he's, he's in reference to World War II and Nazism, let us never forget how the exclusion, at least in part, he is. Let us never forget the exclusion of God, religion, and virtue from public life leads ultimately to a truncated vision of man and of society, and thus to a reductive vision of person and his destiny. That, that, I tell you what, that Pope Benedict, he's so evil looking, I, I, and it's like Gaddafi. I can barely stand to look at him. He is so full of devils and demons, it's like, wow. I mean, doesn't anybody else see this? I mean, I understand my listeners and a lot of other people, but. He's so evil and vile looking. I'm sorry, but he is. He can't hide it. Pope John Paul II was better at... He looked, you know, kind of like a kindly old man to a certain extent. This Pope Benedict, my... Oh, wow. guy, guy's something else. Now, this statement is an amazing statement coming from a man who was once a member of the Hitler Youth and now leads the Catholic Church. Yeah, you heard me right. Now, let's look at this a little bit further. So, Pope Benedict was a member of the Hitler Youth. What about Pope John Paul II? Well, in his book, Behold a Pale Horse, former U.S. Naval Intelligence Officer William Cooper, now this can be confirmed from other sources as well, okay, uh, former U.S. Navy intelligence officer William Cooper relates a story associated with IG Farben Chemical Company. IG Farben is the company I talked about in my pharmacia sorcery teaching, where IG Farben was the, the chemical conglomerate that was, was essentially the driving financial force behind Hitler. Hitler was essentially a failed house painter. And yet he rose to these, this gigantic power level. But remember. It was the money behind Hitler and the power behind Hitler that put Hitler where he was. It wasn't Hitler in and of himself. The guy was a lunatic madman. I.G. Farben was the money, or, uh, a big, big percentage of the money behind Hitler that put him into power. IG Farben is also the company that after World War II essentially split into three different divisions. Uh, BASF is one, bear, is like Bayer Aspirin is another one, there was one other. But IG Farben were the ones that actually approached the Rockefellers, um, I believe this was even before World War II, And told them that we want to set, we want to infiltrate the medical colleges in America. And what we want you to do is we want you to take essentially what amounts to a suitcase full of money and put it before the presidents of these respective medical colleges and ask them if they want the money. Most of them would say yes. He said, fine. All we want you to do is we want you to let us put, I believe, two people on your board to help design curriculum. And protocols and things of this for your for your uh, uh, college, and we want to help streamline in um, well design curriculum, streamline the college, make improvements, things of this nature. It all sounded pretty good to them, but it was at that point that. Almost every major disease known to man. All of a sudden, there there came this chemical um, approach to treating it. Pharmaceutical chemical. I.G. Farben was a chemical company. Pharmaceuticals are chemicals. They're synthetic. They're typically things that occur naturally in nature in a small form in a various herb. A good example is aspirin, which is acetylsalicylic acid. Where does that come from? A constituent of white willow bark. Okay? This is one of the many examples of they take something out of nature, they synthesize it, they take all the other things away, and they essentially turn it into a drug or a chemical that has side effects. All of them do. And these side effects create symptoms, they create other problems, that you have to take more drugs to counteract, and or, if you take them long enough, then you become a surgical candidate. Kind of sounds like the medical profession, doesn't it? And this started back in the early 1900s. All but a few medical colleges took the money. And this is why we have the wonderful world of medicine that exists today, where we have all these chemicals that they have as drugs that are given to people when they have symptoms in order to treat given conditions. And The vast, vast majority of the time, the drugs don't do anything to actually cure the source of the symptoms. They just sweep the symptoms under the rug. It would be like driving down the road and your oil light comes on in your car, which is a symptom, and you say, wow, I've got a solution for this, and you take out a black magic marker, Sharpie, and you just fill in that little square where the oil light is, and you keep driving. That's what taking a drug is doing most of the time. You're just suppressing the symptoms. You're saying, my body's stupid. It doesn't, it doesn't know anything. It's giving me these stupid symptoms. I'm just going to suppress it. Now, I understand. You get a headache once in a while. You take an aspirin, something like that. Okay, fine. But I'm talking about chronic issues here. I'm talking about you cannot drug your body into good health. And if you get headaches over and over again, is it because you have a Tylenol deficiency? Or might there be some other cause? Well, this is how the medical profession approaches everything. You sweep the symptoms under the rug long enough, and guess what? Now you're a surgical candidate, because that problem has festered, and now you have to have surgery in order to supposedly correct it. And most of the time, that's not a correction either. It's just another Band-Aid. Like heart surgery. Oh, wow, we get the, the arteries all nice and placked up, and we're going to go in there either with angioplasty, or we're going to open up your carotids and scrape them, or we're going to go in there and do coronary artery surgery, or we're going to put stints around things. None of it's fixing the placking of the body, which can be done with EDTA oral chelation or intravenous EDTA chelation is the best, but it's just expensive insurance won't cover it. And then an enzyme called natokinase, but you also need to get your blood sugar under control as well, because if you have high blood sugar, that'll plaque you up faster than anything you got to get your triglycerides under control. And I didn't mean to turn this into a health summoner. I'm just saying, this is an example. This is the foundation of the modern medical society. And it was I.G. Farben. I.G. Farben was also the driving force behind Hitler. If the foundation's be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And guess what? I.G. Farben and Pope John Paul II are, are also very much intricately related in the early 1940s, the IG Farben Chemical Company employed a Polish salesman who sold cyanide to the Nazis, I believe it was Cyclone B, because IG Farben made the, nerve, the, the, uh, the, the uh, gas that was used at Auschwitz and all the death camps. That's what I, IG Farben also did. Yes, things are this bad. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings, but things are this wicked and corrupt. But if you don't know about them, you would never even know to pray about something like this. That's why the Bible says my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Anyway, IG Farben chemical company employed a Polish salesman who sold cyanide to the Nazis for use in Auschwitz. The same salesman, who is named Carol J. Wojcicki, Wojatilla also worked as a chemist in the manufacture of the poison gas. This same cyanide gas, along with Zyklon B and Malathion, was used to exterminate millions of Jews and other groups. Their bodies were burned to ashes in the ovens, or um, yeah, afterward. After the war, this, this salesman, fearing for his life, joined the Catholic Church. Which would be a perfect cover. You know, all these Nazi war criminals running around after the war? Well, Great place to go is the Catholic Church. He joined the Catholic Church and was ordained a priest in nineteen forty six. One of his closest friends was Dr. Wolf Simonis, the mastermind behind the behind the November nineteen seventy eight to October nineteen seventy nine. In March 1980 to October 1981, experimental hepatitis B vaccine trials conducted by the Centers for Disease Control in New York, San Francisco, and four other American cities that loosed the plague of AIDS on the American people. Yes, AIDS was created in a laboratory. It's a retrovirus. That type of virus never occurs in nature, ever, Yes, AIDS was created, and it was given to the gay male populations in New York, San Francisco, and four other American cities from November of 1978 to October of 79, and March 1980 to October of 81. It's proven fact. Dr. Horowitz, in his research, uncovered the documentation proving this. There's a video you can watch, AIDS, Ebola, and vaccinations, I think. Now, he's new age as they come, but he did find the documentation that proved all of this and how this guy named Robert Gala, who was one of the doctors also associated with that, how they had created this AIDS virus and they were injecting it into these gay male populations during that particular time era. And this is what AIDS started. It was a depopulation tool. Just like when the Jews were gassing all these people in Auschwitz and all the death camps, or not the Jews, but the, but the Germans, the Nazis, were gassing all these people in, in Auschwitz and all these death camps. What was that? It was a depopulation tool. Well, the, I, I've read this before, but the you know one of the main goals of the New World Order is to reduce world population to 500 million people, which is a gigantic reduction from almost 7 billion. We're approaching 95% there. Now, I understand there's other people that quote different statistics and this and that. I'm just saying that they, you know, they're, this was, you know, Auschwitz and the death camps were a a very, um, I guess, in their eyes, a good way to experiment on the most efficient ways to kill people. So this Dr. Wolf Simonitz uh, was one of this... um, Carol J. Wojatilla. one of his closest friends. Okay, He's the guy that, he was the mastermind behind the Hepatitis B vaccine, where, which, where we get the plague of AIDS. I mean, you know, great guy to have in your, as, as one of your good buddies, right? <clears throat> Going further, the salesman was ordained Poland's youngest bishop in 1958. After a 30-day reign, his predecessor, was assassinated, and her ex-Cyanide salesman, Carol Wojtyla, assumed the papacy as Pope John Paul II in October of 1978. I've read this from different sources over as well. So that's what Pope John Paul II was involved with. Well, think about it. If you were about to take over the most wicked, satanic, pseudo christian church on the planet wouldn't you want your leader to be totally totally and i understand that they say well no the black pope the jesuit pope's the one that has the real power okay maybe that's true okay but i'm talking about as far as a figurehead goes wouldn't you want him to be totally sold out to satan sure well he was look at what he had done and he gets to wear those nice flowing gowns and everything. But you know what? He's burning in hell right now. And I can't even imagine what his punishment is. And no matter what perverse pleasure he might have experienced in this life, it's nothing compared to the eternal flames of hell and then the lake of fire where he will be cast at the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> so back to the main article. But this argument is not uncommon, um, the argument uh, about what is morality to a godless atheist, which is what the, the original quote from Benedict, of all people, Pope Benedict. This is a common refrain among radical clerics of every faith. The Catholic Church in Rome made the extraordinary mission yesterday that it is aware that priests from at least 23 countries have been sexually abusing nuns. Most of the abuse has occurred in Africa where priests vowed to celibacy who previously sought out prostitutes have preyed on nuns to avoid contacting the AIDS virus. Eh? seems like these priests are, are the exact opposite. I mean, they're exact polar opposite of what they supposedly appear to be. Whether they're raping little kids, whether they're with prostitutes, whether they're raping nuns, it sounds like they've got, you know, A hundred times more of a problem with sex than the average person would. And yet, they have this veneer, this sanctimonious, pious veneer, like, you know, (sighs) unbelievable. What, how sickening. So, they have preyed on none to avoid contracting AIDS virus. (laughs) Isn't that ironic we were just talking about, the AIDS virus? That was actually started through one of Pope John Paul II's good buddies. Confidential Vatican reports obtained by the National Catholic Reporter, a weekly magazine in the US, have revealed that members of the Catholic clergy have been exploiting their financial and spiritual authority to gain sexual favors from nuns. This is what the Catholics are admitting to. I and mean, if this is what they're admitting to, can you imagine how much worse it really is? They're they're <sighs> They're exploiting their financial and spiritual authority to gain sexual favors from nuns, particularly those from the third world who are more likely to be culturally conditioned to be subservient to men. The reports, some of which are recent and some of which have been in circulation for at least seven years, said that such priests had demanded sex in exchange for favors, such as certification to work in a given diocese. In extreme instances, the priests had made the nuns pregnant and then encouraged them to get an abortion. (laughs) You putcha a... Scum hypocrites. Evil devils from the pit of hell. I give you every... Granted, I've talked about the Catholics a lot, but dedicated teachings, I already mentioned the one about the Catholic priest pedophiles. I give you another one called Catholic Church Takeover, another one called Catholic Doctrines of Devils, another one Pope Bears Inquisition Teeth, another one entitled Rome Pushing Mary Worship, Another one, Shroud of Turin debunked. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Easily debunked biblically. All I need is a Bible to debunk the Shroud of Turin. And then another one, Vatican and alien disclosure. Because that's been a big thing for them. And then Vatican easing humanity toward disclosure. So anyway, I give you those. It's at the very, very end of this. uh, It'll end up being about a 14-page PDF that will be associated with the teaching for 329 of 11. Sorry, I didn't split up these teachings as much. I kind of was, felt like I was on a roll. and I didn't want to split up in big parts, but um, or in littler parts. Anyway, um, God bless you. I will go ahead and uh, close us out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord. I pray, God, that your word and your truth would go forth with power and might, Lord God, that you would shine your light on all this darkness, Lord, that, that we have uh, that we expose, not only this ministry, Lord God, but the ministries of my listeners, the ministries of of um, your remnant, Lord. And I, I just pray, God, that darkness would continue to be exposed, that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ would shine on them, Lord God, that you would intervene in these given situations that we've talked about today, Lord God, that you would intervene on behalf of the innocent. And, and, and particularly the, the women that, that have been targeted and the innocent and the children, Lord, the babies. I just pray to God you intervene on their behalf, Lord. I pray to God you protect them. I pray, God, you judge the wicked, Lord, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. Not because I'm asking for vengeance, Lord, but because... If these wicked evildoers, Lord God, are allowed to continue in their wickedness, they're just going to continue to defile your creation, Lord. They're going to continue to defile the land. And I pray, Lord God, you intervene in these given situations, that you protect them, that these people that we've mentioned today, those that can be saved, I pray to God they would be saved, that your fear would be upon them, that you intervene in their lives, Lord, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.